This podcast is made in association with Wave Motion Canon. You can contact us on Twitter at Warrideshō or email us at warrideshō at gmail.com. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes, like, subscribe, follow and share. Hello everyone, welcome to Stream of Thought, a Warrideshō spin-off, which means that is only a little bit bad and not all the way like it's like it's sad parent podcast well we're clearly doing something wrong then if it's not all bad you know we need to up our down our game i suppose i don't know i'll figure out later we'll see what we can do we'll see what we can do i am uh erstwhile pod member the subtle doctor uh, and along for the ride to cover episode two here of uh, Recovery of an MMO Junkie is other podcast stalwart, your hero and my hero, Macross fan, Guilty Gear fan, Tony Shaloub fan. Uh, <laughs> it's Shadon oh, is here with us. And don't forget Recovered MMO Junkie. I've actually gone over That's it right. many, many years ago, despite many twitches and urges I get every now and then to go and dive back into that. But I think, no, not again. No. It's such a cool thing to, I mean, for me anyway, to like experience the show with you, someone who is well-versed in this universe, because I like am largely a single player only guy, um, especially when it comes to RPGs. Uh, so I haven't really delved into MMOs, and so that relates to some of the of the questions I have in my notes about episode two. Mm-hmm. I'll do my best to answer them. Are you ready to get started? Oh, hell yes. Uh, well, before we do, I'll just say uh, we got a little bit of feedback regarding our first episode uh, already. Oh, lie. Which is amazing. Feed, uh, some comments on the blog, and uh, I believe you responded them to them on the blog? I did. Um. And uh, I am I'm super excited. Uh, thank you for Panino for writing those. It was Panino Menino, correct? That is correct. Do you care to summarize what um what the comments were and what your response was? From my, I'm doing this in memory, admittedly, so I apologize for this is not entirely accurate to what Panino said. Uh, he, from what I read, there was quite happy with the show, like he was quite enjoying it, but had some foibles with it, shall we say, some minor problems. Uh, one of the things that he warned about, and I think is going to be a really big deciding factor in my overall opinion of the show when it finally concludes, is that apparently neither the manga nor the anime itself delve too much into uh, Morica's, um work troubles. And my response to that was that if it doesn't... There's a certain depth I want it to go on that, but I don't want to, I don't want it to go too deep. I want it to like dissect it. Exactly. I don't want it to dissect. That is exactly how I feel. Yeah, I don't want it to dissect it like a, some sort of specimen, mm-hmm. but I don't want it to be all surface level stuff. Which, to be frank, is what we've had so far. We've had hints and touches, and this episode we're about to cover has a little bit more, but only a little. Mm-hmm. We need certain specifics, I think, because as I said to Pino on there. There's a certain kind of like narrated boomerang or elasticity in how satisfied you are with the outcome of a crisis. 
And make no mistake, Morika is going through a crisis in this show. She can't remain living this way forever, irrespective of what happens with her and Sakurai, or her and whoever else, because she's only got a finite amount of money. She, it's, it's just not going to be... It's not sustainable. But the problem that I foresee and I hope doesn't come to pass is that we don't get enough detail on what caused her to do this in the first place. I mean, to be frank, she had a bad day at work is like, Oz had bad days and has been upset, but that's all we know. I've had bad days at work and I've been upset. Uh, I haven't therefore gone back to World of Warcraft and, you know, quit my job entirely. Not to say that I'm unsympathetic to her plight, but... Mm-hmm. we need a bit more detail for it to be more satisfying in the end as opposed to just being a thumbs up. In our current, you know, pod, it's only episode two. Mm-hmm. So I think I think those concerns might be valid down the road, but I think they'll be addressed somewhat. I think in the latest episode, we got a little bit of hintage at that, but but we won't we, we won't go in, in delve into that too deeply here at the moment mm-hmm. since... You know, this is all about episode two. Indeed. But uh, but no, look, I where I stand is I mostly agree with what you said. I'm I'm comfortable with this being uh a very like warm blanket of a sort of show, mm-hmm. like um not gritty, no 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 uh sort of deep psychoanalysis needed. I don't need a quote unquote realism. Yeah. When it comes to the resolution of of the plight and everything yeah like the show has been fluffy entertainment and i've enjoyed it for that sure and so i'm fine for it to remain uh that way um you know whether or not it gives little details uh regarding her um what precipitated her choosing the neat lifestyle or or not like um to, to me i'm good either way but but i agree with you in that if it does um I think it needs a light touch. Yeah, I don't want the perfect blue of this, shall we say. <laughs> I don't want it going that deep. I don't think my heart would take it. No, God, no. No, but now before I my mind gets to wandering on down that road, let's go ahead and get into episode two, We Don't Know a Thing. How appropriate, given what we just discussed, but Tish. Indeed, indeed. In this episode... um. It begins with a lilac uh, and Hayashi doing some monster hunting, killing probably the cutest hippo monster I've ever seen. It looked like a Dragonite. It was another Pokemon. It did. It did. Totally. It's another off-brand Pokemon. <laughs> it was a, a pocket beast, not a pocket monster. Um, they sort of come to, uh, a- after that, they come to like a like a city some sort of safe zone where they they have a chat and uh lilac lilac reveals that the the rest of the guild have all taken bets on hayashi's age (laughs) or at least some members of the guild uh the the guild master being i think the chief member uh who's who's doing that they've made a bet on how old he is and this is the one of the first times i think that um Maybe not. Maybe some of this happened last episode, but it feels significant because, you know, Morioka is choosing to engage in Fruits de Mare for escapism, uh, but the very personal nature of this kind of game 
you know, has has brought to her shores this question about her identity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how old is she? Mm-hmm. And of course, she you know makes up a lie and and says that she's the same age as Lilac, a university student. And uh, there's some really great reaction faces <laughs> in that scene. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. We learn a bit about uh, the previous guild master when Lily and Hayashi get to talk. Uh, we see him for the first time and how he uh, sort of gave the guild over to Kanbe. Mm-hmm. We then have Lily and Hayashi having a heart-to-heart. Like, well, this part of the same conversation. So they end up staying up all night talking. And suddenly, uh, Morioka notices it's 5 a.m. and says, oh, no, Lily, you have to work tomorrow. And so Lily says, well, rather than go to sleep, I'll just stay up all night. What a trooper. Yeah, I know, I know. And they have that gun buddy mas, like uh, Morioka says, or Hayashi says, I'll stay with you as long as I can bear it. Uh, and oh, then my cut, God. <laughs> cut to Morioka drooling on her keyboard, like has fallen asleep. The weather's turned cold, and she's gotten a cold because, you know, she stayed up too late, sleep-deprived, and cold. Not a good recipe. She's got a fever. Mm-hmm. And she heads out to the pharmacy to get some meds, some cowbell. She's more cowbell. No, correct. Old joke. Yes, Too old, baby. No, nah. no, not for me. <laughs> perhaps for our audience. Explore the space. Explore the studio space. Uh, uh, so yeah, she's running to, or she's taking a walk to the pharmacy, and literally gets elbowed in the face by a running sakurai. Yeah, she uh, gets elbowed so hard she loses all of her facial features. <laughs> That's true. Uh, because well, because Sakurai is Lily, so of course he's running late for work. Yep. Um, since he's sleep deprived, didn't show it though. The elbow was so hard it like knocked her out, and so mm. he, being you know, not a complete douchebag, takes her to the hospital, and gets her looked at. Has the doctor make sure she doesn't have any serious injuries. Uh, and then pays for her uh, cold prescription, uses his insurance card. And there's a really funny part where he's trying to introduce himself and he doesn't have his business card and he kind of is really anxious about (laughs) the fact (laughs) that he's run out of business cards and can't properly introduce himself. I found that really funny. It seems, it's very very light-hearted rom-com stuff because both of them are like completely odd angles to each other and how they approach each other in this scene. Like, Marioka's like, oh, he's got lovely blonde hair and a nice Japanese date, but no, I'm, I'm ill and what's going on and I can't cope with yes. this, I don't know what to do. And Sakurai's just like, he's genuinely apologetic, like, I- I'm so sorry. But I, uh, but it's, it's all very awkward, but it's not awkward in an annoying way. It feels very naturalistic. Yes. Thank God, because that could, I, yes, I know. the awkwardness could have been bad, but it was awkward from two people being very, very, very polite. Yes. It was awkward because of, not because it was there just to manufacture comedy, because it's built into their characters. Like, we we learn a lot of times throughout episode one and this episode two that Morika is actually very shy. And she finds it difficult to, like, make her mind up on what to say to people, even in an mm-hmm. environment where you have literally as much time as you need to, like, figure it out. Like, you can type it out, and then look at it back at it, and well, she makes a very cardinal mistake later on. I'm not doing that. Yeah. In a, in a moment, in a moment that just made my go. No. Why? <laughs> you, you fool. 
it's oh like uh, and and Sakurai, he's genuinely embarrassed because he gen like it was an accident that he caused, so mm. to speak. So the awkwardness is naturalistic, and it serves to illustrate the character as opposed to being manufactured solely for like the awkwardness of let's say, oh dare I say it, high school comedy, uh, rom comedy. You know, guy walks around corner, runs into girl, hand falls onto boob, and then it's all very. Oh, uh, that would be so funny! I someone should try that. That sounds hilarious. I've never seen it done before in an anime. Oh, we certainly see it done a lot in real life right now. Tropical. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, too, ugh, sorry, cringe. Um, ugh, uh, but... yeah, that's how funny it is, folks. It's so funny it's gay people's careers destroyed. Mm, yeah, good. Fuck him. Um, we it, listen. This is a thing we will come back to for a later episode of the show. Mm-hmm. Put a pin in this. Yes. Uh, okay. So, wh- while uh, I forgot to mention that while Marioka is asleep, ah, she has this really interesting dream. Yes. Um, we can talk more in detail about it after I finish the summary, but in broad strokes, it's it's sort of her interpreting her work life as an MMO, at least at the beginning. Yes. The, the previous one she played. Uh, and then there's some scenery that may be from that or it might not be of sort of faceless robot drones walking up a hill into a castle and plunging themselves into a, a pit you know, it's sort of a metaphor for the meaningless corporate drudgery. Yep. Um, Guest directed by Yoko Taro, I believe. Yes, yes, exactly. It was the Become as God stream. P- perhaps this is a, a link to why she got away from her job. You know, maybe she was just sort of woke up one day and was like, you know, what the fuck am I doing? Like, what am I giving myself to? Yeah. Like, I'm just prostrating myself before a giant corporate machine, like, basically wasting my entire life like throwing myself down this pit or into this they have a scene in an anime called moaru penguin drum where children are marching into a giant incinerator oh that sounds delightful it kind of reminded me of that in some ways i mean that's a totally different yeah the meaning there is completely different but but it it made me think of it just but yeah so maybe maybe the crisis wasn't one of um entirely to do with like bad working relationships perhaps it's more of an existential uh sort of thing that's happening but yeah like i said so we'll revisit that <laughs> once she gets back home and has her meds feels better uh she seeks some advice from the guild as hayashi i've done that myself <laughs> what to do <laughs> what to do and of course the genders being flopped some of the advice is a little um, mm, probably different than those folks would give to a lady in that situation. Uh-huh. Uh, but, but they have her um, email, Sakurai. Sakurai hands her at the hospital his contact details. Right, right. So she clearly reaches out to him first. Yes. So, but the thing is that in the game, uh, Mariko is trying to message Lily and doesn't know that Lily and Sakurai are the same person. So I'm guessing that the explanation is it's not actually Sakurai's email, but something inside the game that she's using to message, a private messaging thing separate from email. Because you'd think that she would have seen the note that had his email on it and then would have typed Lily's email in and then gone, wait, what? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. 
Let's uh, surely, yeah. Let's hope it's a work email. I'm I'm assuming I'm assuming that they're different things, or that uh, Lily. That's the my guess. Cause otherwise, that's a plot hole you could literally drive a bus through. So Sakurai, of course, is secretive about his gender and identity while playing online. And if you notice in the note, uh, the email address is just his name. Mm-hmm. It's like Sakurai underscore Y at something. So like, yes, I I very much doubt that he would associate that email address with this this MMO character based on hope. how secretive he's being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I hope so, but yeah. So yeah, they tell him to email, and she's very thankful. She does, and he gets back to her right away, which freaks her out. Uh, Leading to one of the greatest reaction faces ever. It's so good. And by the way, speaking of great things, Whenever Hayashi is AFK when Morioka is oh, writing yes. the email, it's incredible. That face when he lolls his head back, like, oh, like, <laughs> this is brilliant. The faces in this show in general are just fantastic. I I just love the expressions. There's genuine thought being put into this to make them comedic, but also very touching at the right moments as well. Lily and Hayashi end up having uh, another heart-to-heart. Uh, this episode is kind of broken broken up by sort of the first long chat with Lily and the second long chat with Lily and then there's other stuff mm-hmm. but they have one at the end um in kind of their what comes to sort of be their sort of special place where they can talk yes that's largely this that's all that happens in in the show in in broad form since we're already here at the the final event of the episode um I'm sure there's a lot of things we want to talk about, but I want to ask you as an MMO player, are there really places like that in in games like WoW? Like places that a person could find and kind of have be their own special place that isn't dedicated to like combat or dedicated to being kind of a public shop or something like that. Just the whole idea of like people having a place to talk in game, like a special place that like, you know, years from now, one of them could see a screenshot of it or boot up the game and go back there and have these like memories come back as if it was like an actual place is just a fascinating kind of idea. Mm. So I just want to know if that was just a fantasy or if that exists. Well, just to give people context here, for those who are familiar with World of Warcraft, I played up to and including the Cataclysm expansion, which was quite some time ago. So I can't necessarily speak to what's available in there now. But my understanding is that in World of Warcraft, there were quite simply no private spaces, with the exception of dungeons and raids or battlegrounds. Anything that was instance was private. But that was private just between people who are in the group. And that being said, though, it tends to be a case of where you find players migrating to, depending on what content's available. Like, some zones were more popular than others. Um, when Burning Crusade came out, the very first expansion, you'd be hard-pressed to find people loitering around in mainland Azeroth anywhere, except for the capital cities. And even the capital cities had their quieter sections. But I think what's most telling, though, is that when the characters are talking in the show, they're doing public talk. It's not a private message, because the show does very clearly delineate between private messages and not. 
and what is just, you know, being said out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say that you could find such a space if you could if you could locate it. Um, but there would definitely not be a guarantee of someone not going by and overhearing what you're saying, especially if you're speaking it publicly like they're doing. Mm-hmm. But they certainly are out there. Um, did I have one of those? Uh, no, I just... Ever, if ever I went to talk to someone about something private, I tended to privately message them rather than go there and speak to them in person. Um, mm-hmm. Again, just because you never know who might hear it, not least of which is because chatting World of Warcraft, where I remember when you stayed the say command um it also prints it out into the local chat so you could you would could read it like even if you don't necessarily looking at it or close by like you could be on the opposite side of a wall and still read it so <laughs> when you're dealing with stuff like that something of a personal nature it is usually in my opinion put privately mm-hmm. but you can certainly find spaces like that where you could just sit and talk and if you were comfortable with talking about something out loud that could happen i mean dare i tell you <laughs> this is not something i did but it's something i read about after the facts uh, there is a tram that runs between Stormwind and Ironforge, an underground tram line. Um, someone was wandering down there for no reason and found uh, two people um, cybering. <laughs> that happened. <laughs> like, so even in the tram where you would think no one would actually walk, where no one would actually go because mm-hmm. it's a tram, they had yeah. literally wandered down to the middle of that and just did their business and someone decided, oh, I'll wander down there as well for the fun of it and just bumped into them because that's, that's amazing. Because that's how that goes. <laughs> that's incredible. So I guess it does exist if you, you know, depending on, like you said, how comfortable you are with certain things. Man, that's <laughs> uh, that's wild, dude. So what, what stood out to you in this episode as significant or a ta- an interesting talking point? Well... I think the thing, one of the things I found notable is that there's very little combat or level fighting in this MMO. And there's very little talking about the MMO itself. I think the vast majority of the dialogue that actually happens between the characters in the game is actually about stuff that does not relate to the game specifically. It sure seems that way. <laughs> Social interactions, um, things like that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of interesting to me that I, I think, like I said before in our previous episode, that I think that maybe it is trying to destigmatize these interactions because they're the bulk of what we see. And yeah. it's just people talking about, like, real foibles and such, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, um, despite all of her best attempts to try and escape into this world and have nothing to do with whatever's going outside of it, Morica is just constantly being dragged back in, like, to real life in one way or another. Like, yeah, the, the bulk of her conversation is like, you know, how do I deal with this person I've met in real life? Like, as much as she tries to bury herself in that, there's something that always keeps dragging her back. And she hasn't even yet realized any, who any of these people even are. They're, as far as she's aware, Sakurai and Lily are completely separate entities. Despite the fact that <laughs> the message that Sakurai sends her is, would you like to go out for dinner sometime to apologize? Do you want to know who he asks for advice? Or who she asks for advice on how to respond to this message? Lily! It's fucking mental! Yeah. She's asking the person who asked her out to dinner what she should say back to the person who asked her about for dinner for. <laughs> it is literally rom-com no stuff. It's it's it like is. you it's like you've got mail but with dragons and swords and shit. <laughs> Anime's you got mail. Anime has got mail, yes. Oh my god. 
it's a fun. It's still a fun and really and really enjoyable episode, though. Um, very it still keeps on going. Pretty sweet. I I think that dream sequence you mentioned is telling in a number of ways. Um, mm-hmm. I think that one of the things that's noble as well is that we there's two parts you say. There's the one which I think is actually Morico's previous MMO because you know in episode one she tried to log on to an MMO. Um, mm-hmm. that she had on her PC, the old one, but it said it had been closed down. And there's a brief flashback of characters, one of which was a boy with brown hair and one of which was a person with blue hair. And that, in the previous flashback, they were like playing with each other and that was the one that caused us to have a little tear. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was from episode one. Now, in the in the dream that she has, it's the boy with the brown hair and he's saying to her, like, you're always here first, even though you work so late. So this is a memory, I'd guess, a memory of her previous interaction. And one other telling thing, one subtle detail that I only realized, having now rewatched this episode three times, notes that the character that uh, Mariko played in episode one um, of this other MMO uh, was aqua hair colored. Now, would you believe it? Hayashi's also got aqua hair. Nice little carryover detail there, you know. Mm-hmm. So that thing's still important to her. She's brought that legacy forward a little bit. Yeah. So I'm curious how much more they'll make out of that. It was super weird to have um, her work life expressed through that MMO because it's clearly she's muddling the interactions in her dream, like you know the MMO characters. But this is her boss talking to her, saying, "Oh, you're here so early, but you worked overtime." And she's saying, "I just want to get everything like done for work. Like I'm just being thorough." Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's necessarily her boss or not, though. Well, it's, it's somebody at her work. Like she, she she's knows. talking about work. Like, but the, but it's a. I think it's an in-person conversation she had in real life. Mm. But she's sort of like, it's getting swapped over, like, and put onto the game imagery. Yeah. Um, and then you know, like we said, it continues into the, the sort of castle pit, deal yeah. with um the work, but like. Yeah, I mean, there's interesting stuff, I guess, happening with how she views work and how she views games. Um, yeah, I think that she views the workplace, like all of the people that she sees walking past her into that pit um, are all identical. They're all covered in masks with red eyes. They're drones. They're like, the only way that could be more obvious was if they were worker bees. And then you can right. start making Tyler Durden references, but let's not do that. Um, no. So... I think that the issue here, and maybe this is the thing that's actually driven and like mad rather than any, oh, not mad, but rather driven her away from the workplace, is that perhaps she feels constrained. Like, one of the things that I've noticed is that Moriko seems like when she's on her own, like when we just get her reactions like in her own apartment, like to really come out of her shell. Yeah. Like, compare how she acts with Sakurai in the hospital. This is how she acts all the other time, where she's got like those crazy reactions, like when she looks at the email and freaks out. She's very expressive, um, very extroverted, very energetic. But then the moment she starts talking to someone in in person, yeah, the all the barriers come up, all the walls are up. I, no, I'm I'm going in my shell now. That's it. Very anxious or or introverted, yeah, for yeah. sure. And I and I think that perhaps maybe what's being guessed at here is that because she feels that work has constrained her identity so much and just made her no different than those other people throwing themselves. Like, that's why she ran away from it after all. She didn't want to go in that direction. Yeah. Maybe that's the idea behind it. Maybe that she's just her terrified. individuality of, being yeah, crushed. Yeah. Of losing her identity. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, for sure. For sure. And uh, this is a something I think we'll come back to next episode uh, also. And well, mm-hmm. I mean, going forward, but for sure next episode and kind of how she views games in relation to the rest of her life, uh, mm-hmm. which is the other side of the, the coin, I think, of how she views or how she was viewing at the end her work life. Couple quick notes. Um, I thought it was interesting that for her being a neat, uh, like you alluded to when you talked about it the last time, it's a thing that she's ashamed about. She doesn't want to admit that she's a neat, which like for anime is kind of interesting because many of the neat characters, like I'd say the vast majority of them uh, that I've encountered are like wear their neathood like on their sleeve. They're just like, yep, I'm a neat. If you don't like it, fuck off. Like, this is me. This is who I am. Yes, this is absolutely in the way, and this is good. Uh, so the fact that she like is kind of ashamed of it uh, is a, a bit of something different um, for my experience, and it's probably reflective of the real world <laughs> yeah and how people view uh neats in general yeah she she tries to wear it as kind of defense I mean, her very first monologue in the first episode is her telling us the audience that you know i chose this but she certainly doesn't say that to any of the people that she actually meets in the game never mind yes. in real life i'm mm-hmm. actually reminded a lot of welcome to nhk in this respect like sasso in that tries to wear his like What's he got? Like Hikikomori-ness, like, as a badge of honor. And I cannot recall a time it was never not slapped down in his face or eventually, as the show progressed, outright torn down and destroyed. Yeah. So, but you are correct in that it does seem like a lot of, in a lot of cases, like, anime protagonists, like, in other shows, would wear that as, like, a badge of honor and people would be like, fight the power of what I don't know. I'm, I'm, speaking out, I'm speaking out of guesswork here and conjecture. The other thing, um, well, there's there's two more points. Like one we've already touched on is that um, we got the escapism of Fruits de Mer clashing with, or I'm sorry, I'm sorry, the escapism of Fruits de Mer. (laughs) Fruits de Mer clashing with um, the personal nature of, of of Fudu de Mer, right? Of uh, the the escapism that Morioka wants, um, you know, butting up against uh, the IRL stuff. That and it's again, here we are already in episode two, and this whole the game is the game and real life is real life thing is already I feel like already sh- kind of shattered or at least muddied, like. Mm-hmm. They're very mixed at this point already. I mean, regard they, they were to begin with, um, but now they sort of intentionally are being so. Like the the characters are making it so by the kind of topics that they bring up and conversations they have with each other. Mm-hmm. So here we go on that front. Um, and one last thing I wanted to get your opinion on. Um, I, this could be me reading far too much into things, but but hear me out, okay? So I'm I'm down for all interpretations. Hit me. So Hayashi is talking to Lily, and I believe it's when they're discussing d- discussing. That's not a word. Discussing uh, their ages, 
and it shows you we see a shot of Hayashi he's thinking to himself so mm-hmm. like his mouth is not moving but he's sort of like in his voice in the character's voice he's having some inner thoughts mm, um, yes yes at, and then at other times in the conversation it cuts to to Morioka and for her to have her own kind of reactions and and responses to the conversation and her own inner dialogue. Now, I could be alone in this, but I was just thinking upon rewatching it that it was just, it struck me as kind of odd because Hayashi is nothing but an avatar for her and he doesn't have his own thoughts. So why, why show him being the one that is thinking to himself uh, or, you know, pensive or lost in thought and why do it in his voice? Um, And what the, the thing I came up with is that they are, they're building up the characters as distinct entities, although clearly they're tied to their players. Um, Ah, Ah. They they want the characters to to stand on their own in the show and be liked uh, in the show for reasons other than they're played by this person in real life. They don't want it to. They don't want them. They're they're not just these like you know masks. They're not avatars with nothing. They they really are alive in the show. I mean and the way they get animated and everything is beyond what, you know, games can do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I just, this this all is very interesting to me and, and how they're going about this. I have a theory on this, okay? In the opening, uh, the opening, by the way, has a number of nice little tidbits in it, um, not least of yes. which is the ending montage of, like, Mariko, like, falling down, like, to the her knees when she comes in. Like, it's only a brief insert, but you see it. She falls over like as she gets into her apartment and she's like in a work clothes. So that's a flashback of what must have happened to her previously when she was overly exhausted. Mm-hmm. So there's a little nugget of info for you there. But there's that shot of it pan- as it pans away from her at the computer and then we cut to her. And we see this before, but it's her, but with the aqua blue hair that Hayashi has. Right. So I'm wondering if the show is going to build towards a point um, the point being that it's currently, as you say, distinguishing the two characters somewhat. There's always going to be that link. You'll never sever the link that you'll remember that Moriko is playing this character. But they're distinguishing them to a certain point. And then I think, as part of testing that thesis of, you know, that's that and this is this, they're going to gravitate together. They're mm. going to merge into one. And I wonder, maybe this is a guess on my part, but I wonder... Because I know for a fact that in World of Warcraft, back before even I finished playing it, you could actually get a paid service to change both your character's race and their gender. So, food for thought, maybe Moriko, maybe, or maybe she just likes playing a male, maybe after everything's resolved, like we might have an epilogue scene of her playing with Lily, but now she's actually switched to playing a female interpretation of Hayashi, the one who looks like the character she pl- we see in the intro. The Gestalt um, identity. Yeah. Maybe. Wow. Wow. I I don't know, but we'll see. 
Oh boy, that could be exciting. I mean, let uh, let me I mean hey, let me pitch this to you, right? Okay, okay. Ima- imagine this, right? You get a scene right after, like, say, Morocco and Sakurai like have a moment of some description, like Lily, like she's walking up to like down the beach or whatever. Or no, she's at the. She's, no, 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 no. She's at the tree. The tree that she stays at, you know, the special place, sits down there and says, Good morning, Hayashi, how are you doing? Sits down, Hayashi's out shot. Pants are right. It's the female version that we see in the intro. Mm-hmm. Boom! Boom. And then, longing shot, looking over sunset, cut to credits, season over, anime of the year. <laughs> <laughs> Hire me! Hire me! I don't know. I'm, not... I'm joking, I'm yeah. joking, I'm joking. <laughs> It's just, Oscar worthy. It, we would bring it over here just so it could win an Oscar. Oscar bait. That's what it is, mate. Even though it's not a, even though it's not a film, it would somehow still win the Oscar. <laughs> but yeah, um, I think that might be what they're going to try and build towards. Because after all, once Morico, you know, finally re- everyone finds out, as they will, like, what's the need to hide anymore? I mean, it might be an aesthetic choice for her, certainly, to play a male character. I mean, I know fairly confidently that it's certainly an aesthetic choice for Sakurai to be playing a female one. I mean, playing a female character, as he's alluded as he's alluded to, like, you know, brings all sorts of bother. Um, oh, boy. So, yeah. it's certainly an aesthetic one. So, I just wonder for myself if, you know, once there's no need to pretend anymore, will there be a switcheroo? We'll see. It, we'll see. What say you, uh, final thought and rating? Uh, excellent continuation of the existing premise. Uh, very funny reaction faces, including the amazing, amazing phone shot. The, the, the one that, the, the one that just, every time I look at it, it's just fantastic. Like, I, I think that, I think that this show, like, I could make an entire Instagram account just dedicated to reaction faces. Because they're just glorious. The one, for example, of, like, of Lily at the bar as she overhears the betting and just like is sipping her cocktail <laughs> and just looks like eh? but fun fact by the way actually when when they have the conversation afterwards had Lily actually been in on that bet and Morico had revealed the truth she would have actually won I know because she said that she was just a little older and that Sakurai is like same yep. age so Sakurai is actually completely on the nose with what with his guest but never actually put money to it I know I know damn it <laughs> So overall, excellent continuation. Uh, please keep it going. Don't let me down. You have to give it a rating out of five. Uh, I will give this. Uh, ooh, I'll give this. Uh, oh my! I, I'm trying to think of a novel rating system here. Well, you know what? We'll cut straight to the chase here. I'll give it a four and a, four out of five. What's a Kit Kat? Beautiful. All right. My final thoughts would be that, yeah, I really enjoyed the continuation. Uh, I liked, I thought there was a nice balance of real life and game life and raised some interesting questions. Um, Yeah, uh, I think for whatever reason, uh, maybe it's the rewatch, um, it lost the teensiest bit of momentum. from the first episode not not anything much um but i guess i guess i'm just judging it relative to the first episode i i found it uh a good as you say continuation um but as an episode i'm gonna 
go slightly lower and say that it's 3.5 business cards out of five. <laughs> Don't you mean scraps of paper? 3.5 insurance cards out of five. <laughs> um, fabulous. Uh, well, thanks for hanging out with us uh, again, folks. You can always tweet us at Waterweedesho, email Waterweedesho at gmail.com. Get a hold of us. Let us know if you like what we're doing. These are on YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud. Please follow those channels. Please respond. Please rate us. Give us the kind words <laughs> so that we may rise in rankings and discoverability algorithms everywhere. Oh, I just thought we, I just thought we started spamming like you know the titles like you know anime MMO junkie top time fun happy moment la di da. Like that's what we need to start calling. We need to catch all the keywords. Yep, that's you. Yes, you're hired. Whee! SEO expert Shadon hired. Excellent. <laughs> where where can people find you if they want to ping you about this? Uh, the, you are more than welcome, folks, to find me on Twitter at Shaden Ten Ten. That's one zero one zero. And on top of that, I have a curious cat, which you can also find at curiouscat.me/shaden. Um, Otherwise, yeah, just feel free to hit me up there. I'm always more than happy to chat about pretty much anything. Why not? Same for me. I'm at the subtle doctor on Twitter and curiouscat.me slash the subtle doctor. We appreciate your listenership, and we will catch you for episode three of MMO Junkie. Remember to embrace each other, everyone, to the ends of the universe. Bye, Thank you.